0: Welcome to another episode of Soul Stories. I'm Kemp Powers, your host of this exclusive Spotify podcast, but also co-director and the co-writer of Disney and Pixar's new film, Soul. In this series, I've been lucky enough to sit down with many of the movie's cast, creators, and consultants to talk about their lives and influences. It's all about the people who supported my guests on their paths, how music and their musical journeys influenced them, and the driving force of their passions. So far, I've had the pleasure of talking with director Pete Doctor, producer Dana Murray, and actors Felicia Rashad, Angela Bassett, and Tina Fey. On today's episode, I've got another of the movie's actors, the star of the show, the voice of our main character, Joe Gardner, Mr. Jamie Foxx. He had incredible stories to tell about some of the giants of the music industry who've influenced him along the way, like one of the first times he met Ray Charles, and they just had to play a bit of jazz together.
1: And we sat down and we played Thelonious Monk, right? I forget the piece, but as I'm trying to keep up with him, I hit a wrong note. Mm. Ray Charles goes, hey, now, why in the hell would you do that? I said, well, sir, (laughs) I was just trying to get to know." He said, take the time out to hit the right notes because that's what life is, taking your time out to make Mm. sure you hit the right notes.
0: Jamie, thank you for joining me today.
1: Hey, man, first of all, you got another career right there, man. (laughs) I looked up, you got the head This is amazing right here, man. Okay. I, I'm, I'm loving this, man. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you for, of course. for letting me hang out with you.
0: Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, everyone, you all know who Jamie Foxx is. Everyone's listening. So I want to jump right into this because I want to talk, we all know you, Jamie, for your acting, your comedy. We of course know you for your music. I really want to focus today on the musical journey, the right. importance of music and its influence in your life. And it's funny because one of my, one of my favorite old Jamie Foxx memories, it was one of your standups yeah. where at the end of it, you did the Brady Bunch. <laughs> song, you know, and it, but it was on this tail the end of Brady you doing Bunch. the, yeah. <laughs> and it was like the sexiest Brady Bunch yeah. theme I've ever heard. And it was on the end of this kind of almost surreal Perfect impersonation of so you did Prince. Yeah, you did. I forgot who else did you do in in, in that?
1: Uh, uh, Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. Yeah, Brady. and it was just yeah. And it
0: was just one of those things where it was like, man, this guy. It was very evident that like this guy has had some serious musical training you know, yeah, and yeah. I just want to kind of get into that history because a lot of people don't realize that you're classically trained pianist, yeah. mm-hmm, correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. talk a little bit about like classical piano well, and how that came into your well, life. Well,
1: here's the thing, like growing up in Terrell, Texas, my grandmother, Estelle Marie Tally made sure that I learned how to play the piano. She had a lady by the name of Lenita Hodge come from Dallas, which was the city, mm-hmm. and cut. she said, listen, if you come and give my son free piano lessons, I will make sure everybody in our city will come and pay for their lessons. So right. she brokered a deal. And the next thing you know, I learned classical piano. And I asked my grandmother, why am I learning classical piano? She says, because you got to go on the other side of the tracks. And I said, do you mean the other side with the white people? She said, no, silly, the (laughs) metaphoric tracks. This music will take you all over the world. So it did. I ended up going to college at United States International University in San Diego on a classical piano scholarship. Now, here's what was interesting. Not only the music education, but the human education that I got. I went Mm. from Terrell, Texas, where it was black, white, some Mexicans to international university where there was 81 different countries that were represented. I would see mm. someone like you, Kevin, be like, oh, what's up, brother? And you go, bonjour. Say, oh, what, oh. <laughs> what part of Texas are you from? You know, But <laughs> but having that opportunity to go play music in, in this college in LA sort of got me closer to my dream. My main dream was is that I actually wanted to do music like the Lionel Richies, like the Stevie Wonder's and, 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 and things like that. So. But at that time, if you think about 86, 87, to do a demo would cost you $15,000 to do the right Right. kind of demo. So I sort of cheated. I I did my stand-up comedy. I've been doing stand-up comedy since I was in the third grade. So when I got to L.A. and went to the comedy store one night, and it was a lot of, you know, it was rambunctious on amateur night, I would marry the classical training that I got in school, which was singing and everything else, with my jokes. So imagine mm. me taking something like Snoop's Gin and Juice, but making it like an opera. So I would go and right, say, so what right. Snoop was an opera? i said, Rolling down the street, smoking and dough, sipping on gin and juice. That juice, that juice, <laughs> with my mind on my money. <laughs> so I would do all of these sort of funny musical numbers, just like what you saw. But I was really trying... To get recognized for the music. So mm. every opportunity that I got, even if I took it like and put it into a joke, I still wanted it to sound good. I wanted someone out there to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I think he has something. And eventually, you know, along the way, they caught on.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, obviously everyone knows you're an Academy Award winner for your portrayal of Ray Charles and Ray. I mean, mm-hmm and which is obviously the perfect kind of fusion between yeah. some of your loves of acting and music. I mm-hmm. mean honestly, if I can tell you from the Pixar side, we were jokingly saying that like if you had a computer and you fed in all the characteristics and traits you'd want to be for Joe Gardner, it would spit you out wow. because you know wow. the acting, the comedy and right. the music. We we really couldn't come up with with not, I couldn't even say anyone else, but like and there, there aren't that many people who have that skill set. And I have to ask like I was thinking about one of the Dave Chappelle specials where he talks about comedians and music and being drawn to each other. And Dave says that like every musician wants to be a comedian and every comedian wants to be a musician. And then he goes on and plays a little bit of Thelonious Monk. And I think he even brought you up then. Is it safe to say that music is your first love? Like, have you ever, like, if you had to choose one thing that you could do for the rest Mm -hmm. of your life, music, acting, comedy.
1: Yeah. It would be music, and I'll tell you why. Music really is international. Like, now that I take music and I'll go to Japan or I'll go to Australia or I'll go to Germany, like, the fact that they know Gold Digger or Blame or whatever, what's great about that is is that they don't have to know the language, but they feel the spirit of the music. And that's mm-hmm. why I would always say music. And when you talk about Dave Chappelle, man, musical, The Oliver. Musicians want to be comedians. Comedians want to be musicians. It's crazy. So Dave Chappelle is absolutely right. You know why? Because most of your comedians have a really... uh, sort of deep sense or feel of music. Steve Martin was a musician. Steve Allen, Billy Crystal was musical. And because when you're doing jokes, there's a certain rhythmic thing that goes along with it. So he's definitely right on the fact that, you know, we want to switch places. Me, however, I I was just sort of a hybrid. I would watch, I'm a variety show. I would watch (laughs) Sammy Davis Jr., Flip Wilson, or if you look closely at the Dick Van Dyke show, All those guys were vaudeville. All those guys were basically stage actors that came onto television that I would watch. And if you watch the Dick Van Dyke show, every once in a while, they would do a number. Or the same with I Love Lucy, they would do a number. So to me, that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be able to split both. I wanted to be able to be very side-splittingly funny, Mm -hmm. but at the same time turn around and be just as effective when it came to the music. So therefore... I would hone in on the craft of watching Franklin Ajay or or watching uh, uh, Richard Pryor on Johnny Cosrin or Steve Allen or Victor Borga even, some of these mm. old-school performers, but when it came to the studying of the music, I would listen to Luther Vandross, and when I did the Brady Bunch, it was like, Brady Bunch, <laughs> and I would study this one line, the I said, I said. Yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so I, w- as I studied these voices, and as I played the piano for the church, what I didn't know what I was doing. I was developing the muscle of singing. The you know, so by the time I got to California or LA, whatever, like I was really ready to uh, jump in both feet.
0: Well, like the, the obviously the music industry is probably one of the only ones that's more backstabby and eat dog than Hollywood. So. <laughs> Yeah. With that in mind, have there been any like mentors because you know what I'm saying like we the, the film soul we, we deal a lot with mentors yeah we know about who some of your comedy mentors are we, you know we know who some of your acting mentors yeah. are who have been some of your music mentors throughout your journey
1: Oh Kim once I got into the music I, I'm, I'm gonna tell two give you two the young mentor who was young who's younger than me his name is Brian Prescott he is the one who got me into music. He he came over to my house. We were having a basketball tournament. He says, why don't you do a music, man? And he used to be the manager for Angie Stone and D'Angelo and all of that. Oh, okay. And, and Maxwell. He said, why don't you do your music? I said, man, I just I don't have a way to get into it. He says, I can help you get into it, but you got to follow me. You have to stop joking. You have to be actually, you have to do songs that are already hits. Before people even know it's you, I need to find you hit songs. And then once you do it, I want you to stop joking. And he did. He found Slow Jams. He brought Kanye to my house. Uh, He found Gold Digger. He found Blaming on the Alcohol, but I had to learn how to really separate because I was straddling the fence on being funny and singing. But once the music started to happen, people like Quincy Jones. Man, I, I remember Quincy coming to the house and, hey, man, you really do the singing, man. You're something else, man. You know, you got a talent, Jamie. I mean, you got a cultivated man. You know, there's a whole lot of snakes in the water when it comes to this business, man. But hold on to your talent. And then I was at his house and he would say, yeah, look over there, Jamie. That's 54 million records, man. That's Michael Jackson, baby. You know Usher, Jamie? He would always ask you obvious questions. You know Usher, Jamie? I said, yeah, I know Yeah, man, took him from, you know, a little boy and made him. So... Being able to be in the same room and breathe the same oxygen as someone like Quincy Jones or, or even Clive Davis explaining to me, like, you know, it's a tough business. You acting and everything like that means nothing when it comes to music because music is so personal. So you have to be mm. personal with, with people. When you sing, sing to whoever you're singing. You know don't sing about right now sing to them if you're singing a song and and it's to a girl make sure you sing to them so all of Mm. these different you know people that I've met as far as mentors helped me and then Breon was able to keep me away from the business Mm. he said I'll handle that so he would go in and you know they would have conversations with producers that were just so crazy man Mm, because uh, like you said it is a dog-eat-dog world but you need a few dogs to help you
0: yeah For sure, for sure. So like going to soul and jazz, because it, it's interesting. I think people listening at home don't really realize how animated features work. And, yeah. you know, I, we can we I can only imagine how insane it must have seemed those first few sessions because we were still figuring out the story. Right. So we're giving you these lines and I'm just like, what does he think of this thing that we're giving him? You know what I mean? Like yeah. it it must seem so crazy, but then I'm, I'm excited that recently, obviously you got to see the final product yeah. and it sounds like you were pretty happy with the film, but I, I, let's talk about the, the jazz in the film. You, you see what we were going for, like the role that jazz played in your life before you saw it. And after the film, has it affected at all how you think about the genre of jazz? Like what's been your relationship to jazz as a music form?
1: Well, as a music form, I mean, we 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 were all jazz musicians. Like when I was like 13, 14, I would sneak over to the college that was right around the corner, Southwestern Christian College. And everybody was a musician. Everybody played mm-hmm. jazz, you know. Ardwin Johnson, Gary Johnson, all those guys were older than I was, but they would let me sit in. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then they would sneak me up to this club called Popsicle Toes in Dallas, which is Michael Frank, you know, mm-hmm. that was named after him, Popsicle Toes. And then, of course, hearing all the stories about Herbie Hancock and Chicaria and and then being able to hang out with them at the Playboy Jazz Festival. I remember sneaking into the Playboy Jazz Festival, going up to the top, and the announcer says, Ladies and gentlemen, Herbie Hancock mm. and you see the stage turn and I think it went from a salsa band, which was, you know, it was hot. Yeah, yeah. So we go from that and then you see this, the piano looked as if it was a hundred yards long and there's Herbie <laughs> Hancock and he starts off at the piano. I'm not for sure what piece he was playing, but I said, that's it. That's what it's about. That's that personal thing. He took 20,000 plus people and made it seem like, you know, they were sitting in the living room. Now, fast forward for me, from playing jazz with people, playing alongside Ray Charles, and he says, you know what, if you want to be able to play with me, man, you gotta play jazz. And we sat down (laughs) and we played Thelonious Monk, right? I forget the piece, but as I'm trying to keep up with him, I hit a wrong note. Mm. ray charles goes now why in the hell would you do that i said well sir i was just trying to get to know he said take the time out to hit the right notes because that's what life is taking your time out to make Mm. sure you hit the right notes now fast forward to the process of working with you on soul and, and you're right when i first got in there i wasn't worried about what y'all was telling me, I was just worried that I was, wasn't gonna get it wrong because this, this—I <laughs> was literally a rookie, and you were in, you and Pete were in such command of what it was mm. that I really felt, I really felt nervous those few days, those first really? few days. I felt nervous, man. I was like, I was, I was driving home. I hit my daughter. I said, How'd it go, Dad? I said, I don't know, <laughs> cause, cause, cause the process, you know, as you're talking is one thing but you guys would use the word and i'm sort of paraphrasing but it was like oh that's animation or that now it sounds like it's like the film and at first i didn't know what that meant until i saw the film and i said oh That's it. That voice. That connection. Right?
0: Yeah. I think that's because people they see animated films and they think that animation means a heightened voice. Yeah. And they don't know what we're listening for. Yeah.
1: But 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 it is a real thing because you wanted to great. You've seen all of your all of the great movies out there, so you don't want to fail. And you don't have you don't have your facial expression. You don't have your body language to to rely on. You you're you're in there and you're like wow you know. And, or you deliver a line and, and you think you killed it, and you go, oh, "All right." Um. <laughs> and, then, and then y'all turn the sound off in the booth, and y'all start talking to each other. So now I'm just watching, like, "Damn, I can't read this." Am I, are they calling Terrence Howard? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> but uh, funny, but, but I but I really appreciate it because I learned a lot, and I think you know, being at this at this spot in my career. That's a good thing. That's a great thing to be tested and challenged to see if you can see if you can hit the mark. And then with the music and everything that the Baptiste put together and what you guys crafted Man, I mean you you take people on a ride and from my kids perspective, my daughter who's 12 years old but very very alert in this business because she was on mm-hmm. the set with me when we did Django, which was 6 or 7 right. years ago. She was on like 5 or 6 years old. So, my wow. kids have a very keen sense of what's good and what's not. And so when they watched the movie, they were blown away, man. And that mean wow. that's for those types of kids to be blown away, it means a lot and a testament to to what you guys put together.
0: Oh man! Well, you know, we again, we we can't imagine having having gone in this journey doing it without you. But we only got a couple minutes left. Yeah. I just want to, just for my own edification, I want to kind of get some of your top threes for a for a variety of different things. So let's start with um, top three favorite R and B soul artists of all time.
1: Oh, top B R and B soul artists of all times. Ooh, I don't know if you would consider this R and B, but Prince is definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to me, the in, in, incredible Marvin Gaye, mm-hmm. uh, just incredible, and I would have to, you know, ha- have to put in a, a woman, and, and and because I met her, I hung out with her, and and I knew her spirit and her soul. Whitney Houston to me was oh, wow. was was something that people I don't even think you can grasp. She used to come to my karaoke's, which was unfair. Wow. I would have a karaoke night on Tuesday. <laughs> and, and, and she would show up. She'd walk in. People were like, no, come on. People like literally throw the microphone down. This ain't. <laughs> and she went up and sung. And I would always love you. Has well, she ever sung
0: anyone? Tell me another a song from someone else that Whitney Houston sung in karaoke.
1: Did she ever sing someone else's? Yeah, yeah. No, what she did was she only sung once. Because I would say Whitney, I said, "Come on, man! Everybody's <laughs> quitting." So she sung one time. Her and Bobby showed up, and she sung that song. And I remember her saying, "Look, I, Jamie, you know I get paid a million dollars to say, whatever it was." But she goes <laughs> into it, and we all had our phones, and we didn't have cell, we didn't have camera phones at that. They, everybody called their answer machine. Uh, but she was, she was, she was a, uh, she was something, something brilliant. So I would go with those three.
0: Wow, that's great. Okay, I got to say three top jazz artists. Oh the man,
1: uh, the guys I I mentioned, uh, Herbie Hancock, Chick and the guy who affected me was Michael Michael Franks. And so, and I okay. think like with what Herbie Hancock did was, of course he became mainstream, but there was something that he did incredible. He can't walk the streets of Japan. In, mm-hmm. in Japan because of what he did uh, with Hiroshima and how yeah, he yeah. dedicated his artistic part of his artistic life, to what they went through when they dropped a bomb on them. So I thought that was just one of the most incredible things you'll ever see.
0: That's awesome. All right. And one, just to to mess with, just to be different, top three rock artists of all time.
1: Top three rock artists would have to be, if you put this in rock, I've seen these guys perform. I've seen the Rolling Stones perform. Okay. That's that's the. I, that's and, and definitely rock. I mean, that, those. Are the I ch- mean, the, the, nothing like it. I've seen you two perform. Nothing like it. Mm-hmm. And you have to go with the boss. Oh, with uh, Bruce, really, uh, I, I, Bruce Springsteen. I, 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 Bruce Springsteen, and I also got a chance to see Bruce live on Broadway. And when I tell you, man, it, it was it was mind blowing because he tells his story very. He was very vulnerable and and and, and sort of like. I don't know how to explain it, but he was unboss like. Oh, uh-huh, okay. Like in the way he was explaining, he said, I know y'all thought this was going on when this song was going on, but actually, I was some scared little dude and whatever, whatever. Right. So uh, I would go with those three. Right on. All right.
0: Well, that, we're out of time. Jamie, anytime I get to chat with you, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for lending your time to this film, lending your time to this podcast, for always being such a great gentleman. It's it's a joy, man, and it's an honor.
1: Thank you, man. You're the greatest, baby. Thank you. All right.
0: Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. You can listen to the Soul Film soundtrack starting on December 18th and stream Disney and Pixar's Soul on Disney Plus starting on December 25th. Subscribe now to the podcast so that you don't miss a single episode. And join us next time when I sit down with Mr. John Batiste. I wanted to ask you if you could play your favorite piece from the film and like tell me like why it was your favorite piece. Okay, yes. I really enjoyed the celestial jazz component of. Thanks for listening to this episode of Soul Stories. Special thanks to our host Kemp Powers, our guest today Jamie Foxx, and Disney, Pixar, and Spotify. This melody. Soul Stories is a Spotify exclusive podcast, executive produced by Something Else and Gershoni Creative. All rights reserved.